All right, so it's uh, it's been a long time since we've spoken. You're back from the dead. I am like a phoenix rising from the ashes. You are you have returned to us. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I really am sorry. It's okay to you, not to everyone else, just to you. <laughs> it's okay. I missed you because it's cool. You know, this was going to be the big episode. Well, one of two big episodes, right? Because we were just going to announce that you'd left, but not really speak about it too much. And then I went and got sick and couldn't record. And then by the time I could have recorded, it didn't make sense to do an episode. Right. So we just, because otherwise we would have screwed up all of our schedules. So here we are. So yes, kids, today we are going to talk about the fact that Casey quit his job and got a new job. Because that's the type of thing that we love to talk about on this show. (laughs) But we have mountains of follow-up. Mountains, you say? Mountains of follow-up. My goodness. I have... Part of today's follow-up was actually a topic which has now been shrunk down to follow-up. That is how much of a big show we have for today's episode. All right, strap in, kids. So let's start with some follow-up. McChoco Potato. You remember this thing? Mm, This is the McDonald's Japan thing where they had chocolate and vanilla on top of um, french fries. You bet. I guess we got a surprising amount of follow-up in regards Mm. to McChoco Potato, Mm -hmm. including multiple listeners that have eaten it. I'm just stoked that people who listen to this show have been in or live in Japan, like have been in Japan recently or live there. That's awesome. We do have for an episode at a later date some more Japan focused follow up because we both spoke about a kind of a desire to go to Japan and our fears of it. And we got a bunch of follow up there, but I want to wait and do that another time because it's going to take a bit more time to go into. But we had there's two links in the show notes. Uh, one from Jeremy, which was Jeremy made an epic video. I will not spoil <laughs> it why it's epic, but you should go and watch it and make sure that you have sound turned on when you do. It is pretty magnificent. I was flabbergasted by this video. I, I am very impressed. And uh, Liam uh, wrote in to send us a picture of his uh, McChoco potato um, and saying that it was not bad, just strange. But I will go back to Jeremy's video in a, for a moment to say the the mechanism for distributing the chocolate sauce on the fries mm. is incredible. Yeah, that's very it's a little bit peculiar. It looks to me like a ketchup packet but considerably larger that apparently has four holes, spigots, I don't know how you would describe it, but four exit points. And there's chocolate coming out of one, then vanilla, then chocolate, then vanilla. So you get this like really impressive stripe. And I have to say, um, uh, Jeremy's video was and is incredible. But the completed version in the picture that Liam showed, incredible attention to detail on the distribution of the chocolate and vanilla. Do you see how like uniform that is? Very impressed. Yeah. Liam very did impressed. a very good job. I don't know if I would put it all over completely because there are fries underneath that have no McChaco on them. It's just potato. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to name my first child McChaco potato, <laughs> but <laughs> I would never be allowed to do that. There is just something about that phrase 
Yeah, and just the way it sounds, I love it so much. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. potato. Well, when you say it, it sounds so distinguished. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite TV shows, which actually just ended recently, is a show called The League, and it was about um, f- American fantasy football. And they were in the same way that Top Gear is a show about cars, ostensibly, but really they're both comedies. Mm-hmm. And um, I forget the exact situation, but at one point, one of the main characters, he and his wife were pregnant. And he made a bet or like made a trade where the the terms of the trade or bet or whatever it was were that if it didn't go well for the soon to be dad, then the other person could name his child, which ended up being a boy. And of course, this is all fiction. It's all comedy. But it ended up that it did not go well for the dad. And so his name was Chalupa Batman. I forget the surname. Well, they called him like Christopher Batman. Brian or something like that. So it was the same initials, but everyone in the league, of course, called him Chalupa Batman. And Chalupa is a uh, some sort of Mexican dish. I only know it from Taco Bell, which means it maybe isn't Mexican at all. But yep, Chalupa Batman. What is Chalupa? Let me. Oh, when I type in Chalupa, it comes up a Chalupa Batman. A go. Chalupa is a tostada platter in Mexican cuisine. It's a go. specialty of southern of South Central Mexico. Hmm. Including the I've States never had Taco Bell. Oh, it's good. They have a good breakfast these days. I, th- I feel like it's one of the ones that I want to try, and I don't know why. Well, I'm you know, sorry, everybody. You know when, uh, and I'm going to butcher how you pronounce his name, Anjay, when he came to the States and uh, mm-hmm. he had like all the crappiest fast food in the world, That's. I think you need to have a fast food Sherpa, and I can be your guy to yeah, you, steer you. Yeah, you could you, do that, actually. Yeah, to steer you through all the terrible fast food. I've had a lot of it, right? Like, because a lot of it is here. That's true. But you have to get the authentic experience. And so I can yeah. I can be your fast food Sherpa, and I can shepherd you through all this different fast food. And what we can do is we can uh, FaceTime Joe Steele at every stop just to so see. So he can see how utterly disgusted he is, and he can see how you and I are just having the time of our lives. We also had a uh, piece of follow-up from Ryoko, and Ryoko lives in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote in to tell us that this kind of thing, chocolate and potato, is relatively common. Um, and Ryoko says, I've seen milk chocolate and dark chocolate, and I think white and strawberry chocolate as well. Uh, the chocolate covers one side of the potato chip, and I was horrified at first, but it's grown on me. So not only potato fries, also potato chips. Interesting. So it seems like this mix of uh, chocolate and savory, like chocolate and salty, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, goes quite quite frequently in Japan. Did you? You never went to Singleton, is that correct? No, I never went to Singleton. So I've never had um, poutine. What do they call it? Poutine. Yeah, yep. I. I don't re- recall. I don't believe I had it the one time I went to Singleton, but I've had American approximations many times in the past, and. The American approximation, anyway, is delightful. And so it's not its not exactly what we're talking about here, but it's like that weird combination of French fries and things you wouldn't expect with French fries. The um, look and sound of the word curds kind of mm, freaks me out, though. That's fair. And that's curds fair. don't look too nice. No. But let me tell you, I, don't, I, don't, I agree with you about curds, and I'm not a big gravy person, and oh, man, poutine is good. Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah. Anyway, all right, so uh, what else do we have for follow-up? So uh, we spoke last time about goals um, 
we were following up on our goals of 2015 to see if we met them. Mm. Um, and I mentioned that we should set some goals for 2016. And I have a selection. Mm-hmm. Now, these are, again, a little more long-term for me. Uh, my first one is an award. I still want to win an award. And this may come out of the show, uh, but we're recording this on Tuesday. And on Thursday, I'm going to an event in London um, for the 100 top UK people in technology. So I've been invited mm. to this event. Have well, I told you about this? You did. I didn't know if you wanted to bring it up or not, but that could be exciting. Knock on glass. If, that's what I'm if I'm on the list of the 100, I will consider that an award, and then I will have met my goal. Job done. So we'll see. I mean, as I say, it may come out of the show because I might not be on the list. <laughs> so if you're not hearing this... Then guess what? It didn't end well for Mike. <laughs> uh, that would be heartbreaking. So we'll see. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's nice just to be invited to an event like that. So thank yeah. you, uh, Business Insider. So let me give you uh, something to work with here. Mike, man, that stinks. I'm really sorry that didn't work. Oh, my God. I can't believe you actually won an award. You were in the top whatever of the 100. That's amazing. You should be so proud of yourself. Thank you so much. That's excellent, <laughs> excellent. That's professional podcasting right there. Right there, ladies and gentlemen. All right, what are your other goals? So my other goal, my next goal, mm -hmm. is something that I feel like I shouldn't say it out loud, but this is a safe place. But I need to preface it by saying, please, everybody out there, do nothing to try and influence this. Mm, this is already I beg scary. Of you. I beg of you, do nothing to try and make this happen, because if you do, it won't make it as sweet for me. Uh, I want to be on the talk show. Oh, you and me both, my friend, but I echo everything you just said. I think if, um, if people start soliciting it, that's going to make it even less likely, in, in my yeah. personal opinion. So the, the best way to assist us in our goals is to say not a darn thing at all. Or the other, the other way you could assist me is to get me a job at Apple and get me promoted to an executive. Yeah, that, that'll make it easy. But That seems like an easier way now. But barring that. Uh, yeah, but yeah I wanna, that's something I want to do. Yeah, I, and, just, and, you know. I agree with you. And to be clear, you know, I, I, I do not mean this as a, as a brag or a humble brag or anything. You know, I made that appearance on the talk show, but it was as part of ATP. And so I don't really count that because you know marco's been on a few times by himself although not in a while come to think of it and same with john um john has been somewhat recently i would love to do just like you're talking about mike i would love to do just gruber and myself yeah, i think my guest casey liss right right i yeah. i don't know what i would do other than go fetal and cry because that would be so much pressure but i would love to have a crack at it but i couldn't agree with you more mike listeners it is not funny to start tweeting at Gruber. It is not useful to start tweeting at Gruber. Please just be quiet. Mum's the word. We're in a safe place. That's why we're sharing this. But mum's the word. Yeah, exactly. This is all of us. Uh, I want to do more live shows, live shows of audiences in oh, 2016. So much fun. So much fun. Um, I want to do one with you. I want to do this show sometime, somehow. I don't know how. I don't know where. I want to do it. Yeah, I would like that. I would like to do all of the shows, in all honesty. But all of I the great really, shows. I think one of the things about this show is though I want it to I want it to just be listeners of this show in the room, which makes it a little bit more tricky, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're starting with RelayCon Atlanta. 
So that's for the Atlanta Pen Show this year. It's the first ever RelayCon event. And we're going to be doing it in front of a live, live audience this time. Last time there was no audience uh, because we were unsure about how to get everything set up to the way that we wanted. But now we know all that stuff works and we know how to do it. So we're going to have a small audience at the Atlanta Pen Show this time, which I'm very excited about. Um, and we're looking at some other events, hopefully, uh, this year, which more people might be able to attend. So that's something that we're looking at and something that I'm excited about. And then one other thing. Now, I think maybe two of my goals, you know, hopefully the award thing and the live show thing, we're going to be able to cover 2016. The talk show and my fourth goal here, I think are less likely to happen this year, but they're still goals, long-term goals, as I said before. Uh, I want to be invited to an Apple event. Good Uh, luck. I will take even the London satellite event oh, okay. as, uh, mm-hmm. uh, for that, just to receive an email from Apple PR that says you're invited. I think that would be amazing to to be to have that experience, and it certainly seems from recent times that podcasting is not considered nope. important enough nope. to deem an event. YouTubing is if you're a YouTuber. You get an, an invite. Not there's not many, but it but it happens. Uh, but it feels like that that you are not gonna get one if you ju- you're just a podcaster. Yeah, I agree. And I've I've long thought, why shouldn't ATP get like WBDC badges, for example? And well, we always have. But I, I genuinely, hand on heart, I believe that to be luck almost exclusively. Um, and so I I feel like it would be neat for us to have like press badges and stuff, but I don't see that ever happening for a podcaster. I don't mean to rain on your parade. It's not you specifically. I just don't think Apple takes podcasting seriously unless it's a talk show. There are parts of Apple that take it seriously. And sure, Apple's, sure, sure. I mean, PR Apple PR is beginning to take it more seriously, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that yet will extend to invites for podcasters. Like the fact that they show up on the talk show shows that i mean i know it's john but it shows that they're taking it more seriously they are believing Mm -hmm. that it is a worthwhile medium because they could just say no we're going to do a written interview that you're posting during fireball Mm -hmm. but they don't do that they go on the show so i feel like they're starting to be a bit more serious about it they're taking it more seriously so i think the steps are moving in the right direction there also appears to be some new podcasting tools coming from Apple. Um, There's been some rumblings about that recently. Nothing crazy, but just actually giving podcasters uh, some sort of view into the iTunes store. So that's not happened before. So they're putting time into it still. Podcasting is becoming more of an important medium. So we'll see what happens there. Casey, that's my goals. What are yours? So I don't like setting goals very much in the beginning of the year mostly because I never follow through, if I'm really honest. Um, But I've thought of a handful. I've thought of four. Um, I would like to echo um, pretty much all of yours, actually. I mean, obviously, I don't care about them as much as you do, but I I agree with every single one of them. I'd love to win an award. I'd love, oh my God, I'd love to be on the talk show. I love doing live shows. Um, And my goodness, it would be amazing to get into an Apple event, but um, I I don't foresee that. I don't foresee really any of those happening for me this year. Um, so what are my goals? Um, they're, 
a little squishier, which is unfortunate and maybe part of the reason why I never meet my goals is because they're so ambiguous, but they are my goals for, for better or worse. Uh, number one, be more present and or attentive, um, particularly with Aaron and Declan. I don't think I'm terrible about this and I do think I've been getting better and better, but it, the progress is slow and it needs to be faster and I need to be more present, more attentive and not worry about who has said what on Twitter, which we'll talk about in a minute or on Slack or what have you. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two, same as last year, um, I'd like to lose just a little bit of weight, not a ton, but a little bit, or at the very least, just be healthier. I'd like to get a, an a regular exercise regimen together, even if it's just going for like a mile run in the mornings, which I've done off and on for most of my adult life, more off than on, to be honest, but I have done it in fits and spurts. Um, and I know a mile isn't very far. In fact, I'm sure some very healthy person is getting to, coming to Twitter right now to tell me how a mile is effectively no exercise at all. But you know what? It would get my heart rate up and that's all I'm really after. Um, number three, speaking of Twitter, uh, be less affected by Twitter. Again, I feel like I'm making progress. Again, I feel like the progress is too slow. Uh, less bothered by what people say, less bothered by what people think about the things that I've done or the things that I've said or the things that I've posted. It's a fine line, right? Because I don't want to be that like that person that thinks, oh, these peons don't know what, what they're talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about. And if everyone says that that there's too much complaining on ATP. Well, you know what? They're all idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. Like, I don't want to turn into that guy, but I want to take it less personally when I see that kind of feedback. Uh, the last one, I want to, I want to know what I'm talking about. And let me, let me unpack that a little bit. Uh, we, we are going to talk later this episode that I've just switched jobs. I've switched into a different part of the same industry. Um, and I don't, know what I'm doing as much as I'm used to. I'm used to being pretty damn good at what I do. And now I wouldn't say I've taken a step back necessarily, but I'm not as confident as I usually am. So for 2016, I would like to leave 2016 feeling like I know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to go ahead and throw out a 2017 goal that I would like others to feel like I know what I'm talking about. Um, and so I would like it if I was considered someone who really knew what they were doing with Swift and, and iOS programming. I, well, first, I would like to think that about myself in 2016. And in 2017, I think I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable to want a little bit of external validation in that department. Um, but we'll see what, we'll see how it happens. Any thoughts, questions, concerns, complaints? on any of that? Well, you said about lose weight and be healthier. That is actually a personal goal of mine this year. Um, we've been on a diet. I've lost 12 pounds so far this year, mm. um, which I'm feeling pretty good about. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I lost six pounds in the week that I was sick. Oh, well, you're cheating. But I've kept it off, <laughs> and I've actually gone down a pound oh, yeah? this week. Good so for you. Good it for didn't, you. didn't go all back on it. What again, have you changed? So, uh, my diet. That's it? No exercise? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just asking. No more exercise. Oh, so, okay, okay. I mean, I've been swimming. Oh, I didn't know if you were keeping up with that. I should have asked, but... Yeah. Okay. I mean, cool. I I send to swim about once a week. I haven't been. I'm going on Friday. I haven't been because I was sick. Mm -hmm. So I missed kind of two um, swimming sessions mm -hmm. that I would do. I mean, it's one thing that I I want to be going to a gym more. There just isn't one around me. It's one that when we when we move, I hope we'll be able to rectify that. Uh, but I'm going swimming more often and on a regular schedule. But most importantly, I've changed my diet, and it's uh, 
it's working for me so far. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Um, speaking of, is moving a 2016 goal or is that further in the future? Yeah, it is. It's something we want to do, but there there are factors that we can't control. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll actually talk about this soon-ish. Uh, within a, within a, um, probably about a month, we'll have a better idea as to whether it's going to be this year or not. Oh, excellent. Well, good luck on that. All right, anything else on goals? No, nothing else on goals. Right. Uh, I did have something that's kind of pseudo-follow-up that I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, this came to my attention today via Mr. Merlin Man, and it is a blog post um, posted a couple of days ago to Stephen Fry's website. Um, I didn't know that this had happened, and so I'm pleased that this came via uh, my eyes. I... I recommend everybody just pause the show and go and read this post uh it will take you like two or three minutes it's not a very long post it's beautifully written of course um and and that's you know as you would expect from stephen fry uh mr fry has left twitter basically in a nutshell and the reason that i wanted to bring this up is because he did a fantastic job of putting a lot of the stuff that I was feeling into words. Um, not completely. I don't, I don't feel exactly as he feels in some ways, but a, a lot of things that I was feeling about why I was getting a little bit burned out on Twitter as to why I left and why I know other people have done the same or want to do the same. Uh, but it was just really interesting to see a man who was so important to twitter so early on he was the first real celebrity that got it i think he was the first person to get a million followers um many you know he was really tied up in twitter and has always been kind of there and at the forefront of it and he's now left because because of the people that basically make a celebrity like him their life hell for ever having any kind of opinion yeah that's I I very quickly skimmed the post before uh, we recorded, and I was nodding my head vigorously pretty much the entire time. I do love Twitter. I feel like I get so many good things out of Twitter, but I feel like I also get a lot of bad out of it, which is why it was one of my goals to to build a better relationship with Twitter. Um, I... I saw a lot of what bothers me about Twitter in Stephen's post, but I also saw myself committing those same sins from time to time, probably more often than I care to admit. And so I've been working on, I wouldn't call this a formal goal for this year, but I've been something I've been working on is not taking away somebody else's fun. So let's use a silly example. Somebody gets a new car or like uh, Marco has already said that he's going to be getting a Tesla and all Teslas have, I would call it an automatic transmission, but kind of no transmission, you know, they're all electric uh, cars and I could be a real turd about, Oh, well, you know, you know, RIP your left leg. Oh, it must stink to not be able to shift for yourself. Blah, 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 blah. And what good comes of that? Like what good comes of bringing down something that he's excited and happy about? And I've done this intentionally sometimes. I've done it unintentionally plenty of times. And that's one of the things that Stephen talks about in this post. And so it's a short post. I mean, it's it's definitely worth reading. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree with almost all of it. And 
I think when you're someone at my level or at Mike's level, which speaking of, Mike is still crawling closer and closer on followers. Um, when you're someone at one of... 1,240 or something behind. Oh, my goodness. You're getting close. Get, that, that gap gets closer and closer. Yeah, I, I actually had a run of a bunch of followers recently, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pulling... Oh, never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a theory about that. That happened to me. Um, I think that me, you, and a few of our friends are on some kind of list that a bunch of spammers are starting to follow. It uh, could be. Because I was getting... I got like 250 followers in the space of an hour, and I Holy thought cow. someone had bought me followers again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like... It was just... I was had Tweetbot open, and that activity view was going insane. Hmm. Uh, so I kind of started looking at a few of them, and they seem to have very similar recent follow lists. Nobody needs to know this, but I'm telling you it anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so where was I going with this? I don't know. Oh, yeah. So somebody at our level, you know, the tens of thousands of followers level, um, that we, we can we can weather this storm and be okay for the most part. Yep. But when you're talking about a million or however many followers Stephen Fry had, has, whatever, that's got to be untenable. And so I don't blame him for, for walking away from it. And the most striking thing about what he said... Uh, spoiler alert, so you really should read this before I say the following. Um, the The most striking thing about what he said to me was the very last sentence of the entire thing, which was, so I don't feel anything today other than massive relief, like a boulder rolling off my chest. I am free, free at last. I should have you read that since you're the Brit. But anyway, um, I, I knew how I know what that felt like. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I can I can I can imagine I mean, you know, literally what that feels like. Uh, I, I don't blame him at all. And I, I feel bad because he strikes me as an, a genuine person and a nice person. But, you know, at some point you reach your breaking point. Yeah. I mean, and again, I wasn't as I didn't feel it as much as he did. But I did remember that feeling of like, oh, that thing I was feeling has gone away. What an interesting thing to have happened. Yeah. that makes And sense. my relationship remains very different to Twitter. Uh, I really am now uh, back to feeling like it is just an enjoyable thing I use to pass some time as opposed to it being like the be-all and all they have become. Yeah, yeah, that's probably something I should do at some point, but whatever. I don't know. Uh, No, I did have one little quick story that I wanted to tell about me and Stephen Fry. What do you mean you and Stephen Fry? So me and Stephen Fry have had a direct message conversation on Twitter. How? So very early on... Right, so bear in mind, I have been a Twitter user since 2007, right? So very early on in the February 2007 is when I became a Twitter user. This was, very, this was just before the South by Southwest where Twitter became huge, mm-hmm. right? So I followed Stephen Fry, and back then there were so few users of Twitter. I'm user 763,000, by the way. Um, 549, being being exactly (laughs) about it. There there were so kind of few users and few people that would be a fan of such celebrity and such and such that you would follow these people and they would follow you back. It was just the way that it was. So Stephen Fry followed me on Twitter. Um, unfortunately, many years later, he succumbed to some kind of bug where you could force someone to follow you, and he ended up with like 50,000 people that he followed and then didn't read DMs anymore. Um, but 
basically what happened was I, in the space of two days, went to two events that Stephen Fry was at. He just released a book, this is in 2009, um, of a collection of Oscar Wilde stories. And I went to a book signing, uh, like an event and a book signing, and I had my copy of the Oscar Wilde book signed. There is a link in the show notes to a picture um, of me uh, and Stephen Fry. This is many years ago now, it's like seven years ago. Uh, well, this is us talking, right? So you can see, you'll be able to see in the show notes, he's signing my book there. See that, Casey? Uh, no, it's Dropler's still loading. There we go. Oh, my God, you're such a baby. Yep. You barely oh, had yeah. a beard. You barely have a beard. Barely had a beard. So he's signing my book there, and I asked him to sign the book, which is the second image, uh, to at iMike, <laughs> which he loved and then wrote, and I treasure this book, for my friend at oh. iMike. And we spoke for like a minute. We we had a real nice conversation. I can't tell you what it was about. I just know it was nice. <laughs> um, and so then the next day, because he was kind of doing a publicity thing, I had tickets to go and see him do a kind of conversation about his life uh, with a guy called Alan Yentob, who was the moderator of the conversation. So I said to him, like, I'm going to be seeing you at the that show tomorrow night. And he's like, oh, that would be fantastic. Like, I really hope you enjoy it. So I sent him a, a direct message that night and was like, it was really great to meet you. And I look forward to your talk tomorrow. And he messaged me back and said, it was lovely to, he said, it was great to see you and thank you for coming. And then I sent him another message the next day and he thanked me for coming to that event as well. And I was blown away by that. That's awesome. Um, I had no idea if he remembered who I was, uh, but it was incredible to me that he took the time out to send me those messages. I am such a huge fan and have been for so many years of everything Stephen Fry does, but that was a real beautiful thing. And, and this this is one of the reasons why I consider this so kind of heartbreaking, because there was a time where he loved Twitter so much that he would send and reply what well, he would reply to direct messages from his fans. Yeah. But now he's had to leave. Yeah, that stinks. That's really that's really crummy. Um I I didn't know Stephen Fry very well at all and my first recollection of him uh was in V for Vendetta, which is very recent. Mm -hmm. Um and I loved him in that movie. I actually quite like that movie and I'm not entirely sure why I I liked it, but I I really like that movie and I thought he was phenomenal in it. And um You know who his comedy partner is, don't you? Uh House. Uh don't tell me, don't tell me. Uh Hugh Laurie, right? Yeah. Uh, that yeah, that their comedy Fry and Laurie, a bit of Fry and Laurie is the name of the TV series, is it's about as good as you would ever find. Their comedy is just absolutely, just fantastic. Absolutely, just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And Stephen Fry does does and has done so many great things. He's an absolute hero of mine. So yeah, that's really. I awesome. just wanted to bring that up. Good deal. All right, you want to tell me about something that's awesome, and then we'll talk mm -hmm. about uh, some other things that have been going on lately. Some some more important news. Eh, I don't know about that. Just different news. This week's episode is brought to you by Ministry of Supply. Ministry of Supply design clothes for a body, 
in motion. They don't design clothes for static mannequins. They believe that clothing suits should be smarter by now. They want to create clothing that is working with us when we're on the go all day. That is the vision that drives this fantastic company, which is set up by a bunch of people that came out of MIT. They are a performance professional menswear company. They make polished business clothes that are engineered by these MIT-trained engineers to provide technical benefits like sweat-wicking fibers to keep you dry, stretchable fabric to allow you to move more freely, and body temperature regulation to keep you from getting too hot or too cold. This body temperature stuff this is the same stuff that NASA develops to keep astronauts cool in space. It is temperature-regulating phase-change material, and you'll find this in one of their most tech-forward dress shirts, the Apollo, which also features moisture-wicking fiber, a light-knit construction for breathability, four-way stretch for mobility. It is 15 times more breathable than a 100% cotton dress shirt, and they commissioned a research study to prove that. All of Ministry of Supplies clothes are easy to maintain and wrinkle resistant. You can wash and dry them at home with no need to iron. Now, Mr. Casey Liss, I believe you also receive some Ministry of Supply apparel. That's right. So um, I received two pieces and I pulled it out of the box and, and the, the packaging was lovely, just as you would hope. I pull it out of the box and I'm looking at it and I'm like, what is this? There, there's like little teeny tiny holes everywhere. I mean, at a distance, it looked like a regular sweater, but you, when you're really up on it, like an inch off of it, it just looked peculiar. And I thought, well, all right, I don't know about this. But I put it on and, oh, you know, this is actually very comfortable. I like the fabric. It feels good. And then I decided I'm going to wear this one day when I think like the morning was freezing, but the afternoon was really toasty. I loved it. I loved it. It felt really good. It transitioned from warm to cold. No problem. I never got to the point that I felt sweaty at any point. Very versatile. Very well done. Looks good. Uh, really, really like it. Um, it is really good stuff. And so you should definitely uh, check it out and, and see, what you, see what you would like because it is fine, fine stuff. Couldn't agree more. You can find out more and shop online at ministryofsupply.com slash analog. And if you use the code analog, you'll get 15% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. 15% is a fantastic discount. You want to make sure that you are taking advantage of that. And if you are in the vicinity of a Ministry of Supply store and you want to go down and shop in person, just mention this podcast and you will get yourself 15% off your first purchase purchase thank you so much to ministry of supply for their support of this show and relay fm all right mr casey Liss. yes sir please explain this <laughs> blog post title to me <laughs> so um this blog post <laughs> that that mike is referring to um it is it is the blog post wherein i announced that i had left my job my old job and started a new one mm -hmm. the title is self.employer equals employer paren paren was this one i now my look when i look at this and i see how i looked at it and many other people did do you think that maybe you were being a little too smart uh, yeah i guess <laughs> I, I, so here's the here's the thing with this blog post um if you read the post i believe i stand by that this is eminently obvious what is happening i have left employment from one company you made it very clear the blog post makes it very very clear right 
it was hysterical to me how many people said, oh, you're going independent? Congratulations. Good luck. Which was like a clear indicator to me that they didn't read the damn blog post. Because... They were going to read it, but they couldn't wait to uh, maybe. congratulate that's, that's a better way of looking at it, I suppose. But um, but yeah, I got not not an overwhelming amount of that, but a, but a surprising amount of that. So what, what does this it is, mean? Right. So what this is saying, this is Swift, which is what a lot of the code I'm going to be writing is. Yeah, and, see, this is where the joke is smart, right? Well, it's actually, this is a good joke to make. Right. But the problem is in, is assuming that everybody knows, right? Correct. So self is referring to yourself. Dot employer is saying, hey, whatever information you have for your own employer. Does that make sense so far? So in other words, my employer is, and then employer with the open and close paren is basically saying, give me a new employer. So if you think about it, employer is a class. It's like a, a kind of thing. And that's saying, give me a new one of those things. Does that sort of kind of make sense? So what I'm driving at is my employer is now a new employer. Okay. It, if, you, if you're not a developer or not anywhere in the vicinity of a developer. My brain, it doesn't work in 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 that and right? i don't mean that to, to dismissively at all it's it's not that you're you're dumb or uninformed it's just you're right your brain doesn't work that way and so i can understand how people would see this and say oh he's working for himself now but that isn't that isn't at all the case what i was driving at was that i now have a new employer because if you were to write this in swift that's how you would write it now the funny thing about this is in every other language i've ever used it would read self.employer or perhaps this.employer this again meaning you know the the thing that you're talking about equals new employer and swift is the first language i've worked in in a long time that doesn't use the keyword new and I think it would have made this blog post title so much more clear if in the case of me having the word new in there. You know, does that make sense? Or or if it would have just said employer equals employer paren. Yeah, that's something. I don't know. If you if it basically if the word self wasn't in here, you wouldn't be in the problem. You wouldn't uh, have been yeah, in the problem yeah, that you're in, right? Probably. So if it would have just said like employer equals employer yeah, yeah, yeah. paren. Yeah. So, probably, so you're right. It, your your assessment was spot on. It was me trying to be clever and probably going a little too far into clever into not so clever anymore. Well, I'm sure the people that got it thought it was fantastic. But the the problem is, is you have a nerdy audience. But just because you have a nerdy audience, like it's not exclusively nerdy. I would. I you know. I don't think that many of my nerdy friends would have even got it. Yeah. Yeah. No. You're right? absolutely right. Because we're enthusiasts, not. Not developers. Sure, sure. Person. And I mean, to, like, it might be Kyle in the chat said when I saw the title, I was like, wow, that, that was clever, which is what I was going for. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't really end up working that way. Because uh, the key, the key for people that know is that it's written in Swift, right? right? That's why it's like a really smart thing. Mm hmm. Because like, oh, why is he writing in Swift? Exactly, right? exactly. And then the slug is Alec init, which is the Objective C way of doing the same thing. So it would be um, self dot employer equals. Uh, uh, I'm simplifying here, but you know equals Alec in, uh, or employer Alec init. I'm pretty sure I have that right. I haven't written Objective C in a little oh, while. God. So yeah, so, so allocate something. Yeah, allocate. Yes, means? allocate and then initialize. You're exactly right. I mean, I know that. I know that. Writing code creates beautiful things and would make my life easier. <laughs> 
but I'm pleased I don't do it. Yeah, well, it's just it's it's a weird thing. So anyway, so we, we don't need to do any more code review here, but um, but yeah. So what I've done is I have left my uh, prior job, uh, the consulting job. I am no longer a consultant. I have joined a firm that has a product. I do not plan to name the last job or the new job. The reason I don't do that is because it just feels like it's not necessary for the conversation. And I feel like that's something that's just, I'd like to keep that private if I can. Um, it's not a big deal if people find out. In fact, up until very recently, I hadn't realized that my LinkedIn profile was wide open. It wasn't intended to be that way, but it was that way. Who knows how LinkedIn works? For real. Them and magnets, right? Um, so anyway, so I... I'd rather keep that the actual employer close to the vest, but it's not that I'm ashamed of them. It's just it's a personal choice of mine. Just like for a long time, you didn't have Adina's name out in the open. You said you have a you have a girlfriend. She's very and lovely. I've never shared my employer. That's true. Actually, that's exactly right. I've forgotten about that. So, in any case, um, I have left the consulting firm. I was there for between three and a half and four years. I reflect upon it fondly. Um, I am very thankful for my time there. They're unbelievably wonderful people there. If you're looking for, and I said this in my blog post, if you're in the East Coast of the United States and need some help with .NET or um, some .NET-based CMSs like Sitecore, let me know. I'm happy to point you their direction. They are great, great, great people. But as any listener of the show would know, I had largely fallen out of love with the work I had been doing. Which is kind of funny because the last gig I did for the consulting firm, I actually really liked. Uh, The client was awesome. The environment was awesome. The stuff I was working on was mm, fairly awesome. But as I was doing this work, a friend of mine who I've known for probably five or six years now, um, he had just joined this new company. We'll we'll call them Acme uh, just to make it easier. So he had just joined Acme. Um, And he is their head iOS guy. And he and I have been trying off and on for probably six years now to work together again because we really enjoy each other. I think we complement each other very well. Um, And I've obviously been trying to get into iOS for a long time. So uh, my friend Jamie and I have been trying to get into this into the same company off and on for years. Additionally, a recruiter friend of mine, Jason, also ended up at Acme in the last few months. So. Acme needed some iOS developers, and Jason and Jamie both started needling me, saying, hey, man, you should come in interview. You should really come interview. You know, we need help. You wanted to do uh, iOS stuff. Uh, you should really come interview. And so at the very, 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 very end of last year, I went ahead and interviewed. On the way up to the Arment's house for New Year's, I got a call from Jason saying, we're offering you the job. Uh, while I was in the Armand's house, I si- I electronically signed the paperwork on my iPhone, which is kind of funny, mm-hmm. actually, given the conversation we had on ATP. But anyway, um, I electronically signed the paperwork, and I ended yeah. my I ended my job, my last job, at the end of January. I took the first week of February as fun employment, and um, then I started the new job on the eighth, which was the. Uh, the 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 second monday of this month and as we record this it was a little over a week ago so now i am a fully fledged ios developers and uh it's scary as crap yeah a couple of people pointed out that you didn't do ios developers and how i thought about it. that was i thought about it but i didn't i wish you would have done that that would have been so great i'm sorry that would have been so great so 
you did speak about this uh, a little on ATP, which mm-hmm. I recommend that people listen to. Um, but basically, I'm just going to ignore that that conversation happened because I didn't need a full <laughs> account on this on this show. Fair enough. Um, you mentioned that you had kind of fallen out of love with work a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you fall out of love with? Um, I talked about this a little bit in the blog post, but it's worth talking about here as well. You know, the thing about consulting is, A, I'd been doing it for about 10 years. And B, when you have a really good project, consulting's great because you're enjoying what you're doing. You're getting an opportunity you may not have had otherwise. And it everything is clicking. Except that oftentimes that project ends and you didn't want it to. Maybe the client ran out of money. Maybe the client decides, you know what, we can take it from here. We don't need outside help. There's any number of reasons. Maybe maybe your employer, the consulting firm, maybe they need you to work on a different project, even if that first project is still going. So the problem with consulting is that sometimes the great projects go away. Additionally, a lot of projects in my experience, in, in fact, I would say more than not in the case of this, actually in the case of the last two jobs, most of the projects are not a terribly good experience. I mean, the reason that you're being brought into a client is because they are incapable or unwilling of doing the work that you're capable of doing. And then oftentimes you're fought with in the way, in the manner in which you're, you're choosing to do it. So the client has come to the firm, the consulting firm saying, we would like experts in this field so they can either help us do this or just plain do this for us. And then more often than not, they will argue with you the entire time. Additionally, more often than not, the people who are doing the arguing are people who are wholly unqualified to argue. In other words, they're not developers. They're not technical people. They're just people with loud opinions. Um, I've gotten sick of that. Additionally, while I love C Sharp, which is a particular programming language I was using at the last job, I've fallen out of love with everything around C Sharp. I don't particularly care for Windows. The web I like, but I don't view C Sharp as necessarily the best answer for programming for the web. Um, I just, I haven't, it hasn't really revved my engine in a while now. It, it was a very, I was, I've been very lucky because it was certainly not a bad situation. I mean, it's not like I was dying to leave. But when Jason and Jamie came knocking and said, hey, we have something you should consider, I considered it, and here it is, now I'm there. So I left because I feel like I knew what I was doing well enough that I wasn't learning that much that often, which is a very bad place to be. I was bored, which is a very bad place to be, especially for me. And I just wanted to get away from consulting. And it may turn out, who knows, in a year or two, I'll say, oh, God, I hate iOS development. I miss C Sharp. I miss Visual Studio. I miss having something new every six months. I want it back in. It very well could be. And if I wanted back into that world, I think the first place I'd start is the place I just left because it was a good place. But I wanted to change. And after nearly four years, I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. So I left. All right. What are you excited about with a new job? What what things are exciting you? Um, most of all, getting to work in the platforms that I want to work in, getting to work on iOS. Um, I really am, am anxious and amped up about 
working in iOS. And now since I'm a week and a half in, I can tell you just this morning on my way into work, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to go into work and I'm going to open up Xcode and I'm going to write some Swift. And I've been wanting to be able to do that for my job for five years now. And in my blog post I spoke about, I went to WWDC 2011 and that was the first time I'd been to, to WWDC, and I've been to everyone since then, um, which means now that I'm a professional iOS developer, I won't get a ticket to this year's. But yeah. uh, I'm genuinely really – I'm already get, getting bummed out about it, and tickets haven't even gone on sale yet because I'm pretty confident it's not going to happen. But anyway. <laughs> you um, bummed about something I'm serious. you can't control when you don't know it's happening. Yep, I'm serious. But anyway, um, in 2011, I went, and I was like, man, this stuff is really awesome. I really want to do this. Um, but it took me in five years. It took me until 2016 to actually make it happen. More than anything, I'm excited about doing something new, about doing something that more accurately aligns, that where my brain and my heart are aligned, which is not something I've had for a while. My brain has been entertained at my job for years, but my heart hasn't been. And so I'm really excited to have my brain and heart aligned again. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to work on something for a long time. I'm really excited to see this this app. There's well, there's a couple apps that that Acme makes, but um, one in particular is is the most important one. And I'm really excited to see this app through over the course of a couple of years. We're in the midst of rearchitecting and rewriting a lot of it, and I get to be in on the ground floor and help shape that conversation and shape that architecture. Um, and I'm really, really anxious to work on on a project, on a product for a long time. And finally, I'm anxious to work with new people. I mean, I have nothing against the old people. The old people were great. I, I, I would say that even if I didn't mean it, but I do mean it. They were great. But I'm, I'm excited to work with some new people and learn some new things. And what are you scared about? Oh, everything. Well, uh -huh. Yeah, of course. But can you narrow it down? Sure. What, what, what is... Uh... What's worrying you? So first and most importantly, I don't know iOS development as well as I knew .NET development. Mm -hmm. um, I knew C Sharp pretty damn well. Unequivocally, there are many, many people in this world who knew it better. But for the sorts of things I was asked to do as part of my job, I knew it pretty damn well. I can't say that I know Swift and Objective-C and iOS development as well. I know it. I can get by. But I don't know it cold like I know C Sharp. And that's a very scary thing. I, I'm not necessarily used to being the smartest person in the room, but I'm certainly not used to being the dumbest one in the room. Or maybe smartest isn't the right word, maybe most knowledgeable and least knowledgeable. But no matter how you slice it, I am not the man that, that like I used to think I was. And, um, and that's scary. That's really, really scary because Acme didn't hire me to be a junior iOS developer. They hired me knowing that I am a senior level developer and knowing that, or having faith, I should say, that I should be able to figure this stuff out and figure it out quick because mm -hmm. that's what someone at this level in their, at this point in their career should be capable of. And I am confident that I'll be able to do it, but at the same time, I'm petrified of it all at once. Yeah. I mean, you are also somebody who has done iOS development. Sure, yeah. but never never in this capacity, never at this level. Yeah, I guess so. And like not for not not for somebody else. Sure. Exactly. Right. With your stuff, you can just hide things. You should <laughs> sweep them under the rug. <laughs> right. And I'm sure that there will still be an element of rug sweeping, right? No, 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 I, I know think what you that's mean. how all development's done, mm -hmm. uh, is is my assumption. 
Uh, everybody can write to Casey. <laughs> Nobody will, because you're right. What kind of uh, changes do you think that this job's going to have on your life, both positively and negatively? Um, I think in the long term, it's going to improve my work-life balance because um, one of the striking things about working at this job is that I don't have a timesheet anymore. So if you don't work in consulting, this may be foreign to you, but when you're a consultant, the product of that consulting firm is the time of the consultants that they have. So said differently, the product of the consulting firm I just left was me. I was the product. I, the time was the product. In the same way that um, a lawyer, you know, their, their time is their product. So because of that, that made anything that was not doing work for a client, anything that wasn't doing work for a client got pushed to the back burner. That means going out to lunch. If I went out to lunch one day and it took an hour, that means I'm staying an hour later at work or I'm working that hour over the weekend because I need to get that time. Because if I just you know, slack off and don't make that time up, I might not be earning enough for my company to pay my salary. You know, I need to I needed to work a 45 hour work week at the last company. It was mandated 45 hours a week. And typically that meant 45 billable hours, which in turn meant I was probably working about 50 hours a week for the last three and a half years so that 45 of them could be billed to the client. But things like interviews and and internal development stuff that happened in the 45 to 50 hour range. So this new place mandates 40 hours a week, which is normal. Uh, and there's no timesheet. So really what it comes down to is you should be putting in 40 hours a week, but really just get your damn job done. So this became just eminently obvious to me when I was on my way from an offsite that just happened to be my very first day. So my very first act in the new job in Acme company was to go to an offsite uh, half-day retreat. But I was on my way from the half-day thing, the offsite thing, back to our office. And I was stuck at a light in this... Uh, right by actually both the old office and new office. And this light is notorious around lunchtime, which is when it was of taking forever because all of the people are leaving all the lunch establishments. Uh, and then they're going into the same subsection of town, which is all where all the businesses are. Hopefully that makes sense. So I was making a left at this light and in the U S you know, a left is the harder turn to make because you have to cross the other way of traffic. That's like making a right for you guys. So, I'm trying to make this left and I'm sitting at this light and I miss the first cycle. And I, and I believe I might've missed the second cycle too. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh God, I've been sitting here for like 10 minutes. I might be 15 by the time I'm at Acme. I'm going to have to make this time. I'm gonna have to say 15 minutes late. Now it's my first day. I have to say 15 minutes late because I have to make up this time because every, Oh wait. Oh my God. No, I don't. Oh my God, this is amazing. I don't have to worry about this anymore. And it was, it was like a whole new world was opening up in front of me. A dazzling place I but no, it was incredible. And I'm not trying to say that I'm not going to work, you know, 40 hours a week. I'm not trying to say that I'm not going to, that, that I'm going to go to lunch and just not make up that time. But what I'm saying is it's a lot less strict now because I don't have a timesheet. I don't have to worry about billing a client. What I need to worry about is getting my job done. And that's what's important now. And that's the way it should be in the, in reality. And I'm so excited for that, for that whole stress to go away. Um, I'm really, really excited for that. So I think work-life balance will get better. 
in the long term, although in the near term, I'm probably going to have to work even harder to kind of catch up and get my feet under me with regard to this new development I'm doing. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm excited to be excited about work again. Um, we had a family friend who passed away several years back, and he was one of the heads. I mean, he might have been the head of marketing for Pepsi back when, like, the Pepsi generation was a thing. In fact, he might have coined that term. And I think with the Pepsi challenge was a thing. I think that was under his watch as well. Um, when Michael Jackson fried his hair, that was under his watch, as it turns out. And he did a graduation speech at uh, Penn State, which is his alma mater. I don't believe this is available online. I have a copy. Um, and if you ask nicely, maybe I'll send it to you. But um, one of the things he said was, in a roundabout way, and in a much more clever way, if, you, if you're jumping out of bed to go to work in the morning, that isn't really work anymore now, is it? And granted, I'm very much in the honeymoon period. And I don't know if I would say I'm jumping out of bed in the morning, but I'm not dreading getting out of the bed in the morning like I was towards the end of the last gig. And that's a really, really exciting feeling. Yeah, that's not bad, huh? No, it's it's pretty damn awesome. And ask me again in a month. Ask me again in a, in a few months. Ask me again in a year. Who knows? But sitting here now, admittedly well within the honeymoon period, I'm really, really, really happy. Somebody wrote in, Tyler, Tyler wrote in uh, having, because you mentioned the traffic light story on ATP, and he mm -hmm. said, one man's traffic light is another man's shoelace. Yeah, it took me a minute to understand that tweet, because that was all it was. And then I it clicked, and I got quite a good laugh out of it. I think the difference, though, is that um, your shoelace was what caused you to leave, whereas the, the stoplight was more, for me, a realization that this was unequivocally the right choice for me right now. Um, but the point was still fair, and, and his use of emoji was fantastic. So uh, five stars for that. One of the things that I keep coming back to when I think about this with you is wondering what, if anything, this job could signify to your future. And I don't mean your future with this company necessarily, but, but what does Casey Liss's future look like past this job and does it make an impact on that? Do you, do you, are you following what I'm saying? And I think do you so. have any kind of feeling about that? Yeah, I mean... I don't want to make it sound like I'm already punching my ticket on this job. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. If I retired at this job, I wouldn't complain. I mean, my hope of course is to land at a job where I love it so darn much. I would never, ever want to leave. You know, um, I don't know if this job is it. It may be, it may not. Again, I'm in the honeymoon period, so it sure seems possible, but who knows if I were, if we would take it as a, a, an assumption that I'm going to leave this job, which I mean, most jobs people do leave. Um, if we take it as an assumption that I would leave this job and we take it as an assumption that I'll do it, let's say in four years, like I, you know, about as much as I spent at the last job and actually the one before that, what, what do I hope my next step is? I'm not sure. Um, in a, in a perfect, perfect, perfect world, perhaps I would work entirely for myself. Um, maybe I would be like underscore and Marco and have an iOS app or 300 that that pay my way or or supplement whatever money i can scrape together from podcasting uh maybe i split my time between marco and underscore as a consultant but you know not in the same way that the firm was you know i'm not working for a firm it's just me and maybe i split my time between them i 
don't or, or other friends or other or friends other companies you know maybe you move on to do some stuff for one of those big shops like uh, martian craft or something yep. like that it's funny you say that because uh, martian craft was a- is absolutely a company that i th- i would think about if i if if I get my skills up and things don't work out with Acme Co. And I don't, I want to stress, I mean, I hope that things with Acme Co. work out and I expect them to work out for a while, but hopefully I mean, forever. 10 years plus, right, unlikely, you know, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. unlikely. It's not your company. Sure, exactly. And, but it could happen. And I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop is what I'm driving at. But if we take it as an assumption that that shoe will eventually drop, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Either I go work for Martian Craft, and, be, and being able to work from home would be nice, so I could maybe not interact with Declan all the time, especially once he goes to school. But being able to see him more often would be really awesome. Um, and, and of course, Aaron. Um, and it would it would be nice to be my own boss. Be that because I'm completely independent as a person who's selling apps in the app store or or be that because i'm an independent contractor and i'm contracting just for the people i want to and and there's no middleman i don't know but no matter what i'm really really amped to have acme in my life now because because i really think that i'm going to learn a ton and i'm going to enjoy doing it so what i think of when i mean and this is just totally me but what i think of when i see this is knowing my friends who are now independent app developers it was when they started doing this stuff that they had their ideas mm-hmm. and and that's what i feel like for you like if i was to look into a crystal ball like i would say and what i hope would happen is you have your idea in a few years time you know yeah, the so. idea that you have that you create an app that people love because I, I sure what you're so. being given now is the tools to create the stuff, but then also what I'm sh- sure happens is once you're in the t- once you're in the tools, you're in that space, you're thinking about it, you're developing within it. It unlocks your mind to be able to conceive of things slightly differently. Yeah, I th- I think there's some truth to that. I think you're giving me more credit than maybe I deserve as an idea man, <laughs> but um, but you know that'd be awesome. It would be really really cool if that if it worked out that way. Look at Overcast. Mm-hmm. Overcast is an incredible success. That app exists because Marco wasn't happy with podcast apps, so he built his own. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. So yeah, I that's what I think is a is a potential for you, and and it's more conceivable now than ever i think because ios development was always like a i'll do this stuff but i can only do so much because i only have so much time to a learn this and b do it Mm -hmm. but you'll be doing the learning in your nine to five yeah so i think that might make a change for you um how are the perks um so far so good (laughs) um if you happen to live in in the Richmond area, I'm going to tell you one of the perks, and that will probably give away specifically where I work. But if you don't live in this area, you probably it won't mean anything to you. But um, the co- the company Acme, we we I don't know if we own the building or we lease the building, but we're the only person in, or the only company in the building that we work out of. In that building, it is a two story building, and because I don't know reasons, there's a slide in the building to go from the second floor to the first floor. 
I haven't ridden it yet. Um, I have signed my waiver, so I can uh, slide down the slide. Well, how have you not done it already? I, because I don't know, it seems so socially awkward to me. But uh, and I haven't just get in the slide. <laughs> but yeah, there's a slide. Um, there's a couple of kegerators. Um, the uh, the actually what was to, that thing? A what? A what? A, a kegerator. A, a, a kegerator. It's a refrigerator that has kegs of beer in it. Now I'm not a uh, beer kind of person, but. It's kind of exciting to have kegerators in the office. Um, there's, uh, I don't know, there, I got a brand new 15-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, or if it wasn't brand new, then darned if I could tell the difference. Um, I had asked them, well, they once we had get, gotten our computers, they said, hey, for the Mac users, they said it in a nicer way. But, you know, you guys are so opinionated. We don't give you like a monitor setup or anything or external anything. We just give you the laptop and say, be gone with you. However, we're happy to give you external monitors or, you know, a mouse and a keyboard or a trackpad and a keyboard, whatever you want. Just, set, you know, let us know. So I told the IT department, hey, I'd really like, you know, two monitors. I'll probably keep my, my Mac in a clamshell mode and an external keyboard and a mouse because I don't, I don't personally like trackpads very much. In my last job, which was a job that had 80 people in it, if that, if I were to make that request, I would be waiting a week or two for them to order those things, get them shipped to us, and then have them come in. I made that request in this job, which is considerably more people. It's like 300 people. And within the hour, I had two monitors, a magic keyboard, and a, uh, what is the new Magic Mouse 2 or whatever it is? The, the new mouse um, at my the desk. The one with the belly button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the belly button. Um, that was all at my desk almost immediately, which was awesome. Why uh, do you think that is? Because mm, I was going to take this in a negative place. Uh, I will take this to a positive place because they are well prepared to assist their employees with these sorts of things. And they already had this stuff sitting in a closet somewhere in case somebody wanted it, which is what I would hope. At this place, this is the first job I've had in a couple now that we don't get free sodas, which is a bit of a bummer. But um, it has, think of like a convenience store. Free beer, but not free soda? Yeah, well, because people go through soda a lot quicker than they go through beer. But um, point. Uh, but they do have this like almost mini 7-Eleven, like a mini convenience store in the workplace. And you have to pay for everything, which is which is fine. But it's they have all sorts of bottles of soda. They have like all like little quick grab-and-go lunches. It's actually pretty cool. Um, it doesn't take Apple Pay. Major bummer. I know, first-world problem. But it's still nice to have it right in the building, um, especially since we don't have, like, a full-on cafeteria. Yeah. Um, one of the most important perks, though, which I did not know before I showed up, two weeks of paternity leave instead of just one at the last gig. And to be honest, wow. I was overjoyed at one at the last gig because even that, paternity leave is very rare in the United States. And That's to have cool. two weeks is super awesome. We're not pregnant, um, but, you know, you never know what will happen. And uh, and so to having two weeks of paternity leave is awesome. And the people? So far, so good. I mean, I this is also a different experience going into Acme because – I know probably five or 10 people that work there already, um, either because I've worked with them before or I knew them from the area or something like that. Most of the jobs I've been to, I've known at most one or maybe two people or none at all. In this case, I know, like I said, between five and 10, including Jamie, um, who is the guy I work with most closely, and Jason, the uh, the recruiter that got me in the door. Um, I actually know another one of the recruiters slash HR people, um, and I know a few of the designers as well. 
Um, and so that's kind of cheating. You know, I already knew that. Did them, anybody right? know the Casey list? No, I don't think so. I mean, obviously my friends that I'm, that I'm speaking about do, but no, I don't believe anyone outside of them. Uh, knew who I was. Uh, but not only that, but the team I'm working with, the the broader team, so not only the the other iOS developers, but the Android developers, um, they all seem super awesome, very smart, very passionate, and just fun to work with. Um, similar sense of humor to me. Um, we all tend to keep a fairly potty mouth atmosphere, which I'm not proud of necessarily, but it's nice because I don't have to be like on my best behavior, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's not super formal is I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, the dress code is j- as casual as I'm used to, which is to say jeans and a sweater or jumper, or maybe a button down shirt. Um, you know, there's a ping pong table in the office, which I've used once. Uh, it's just, it's very casual, which is what I like. And I, and I consider that awesome. Um, and the people, everyone I've spoken to seems super nice, very smart and very into what they're doing. Sound happy, man. Super happy, super super happy. I, I mean, again, I'm I'm not trying to be unrealistic here. It may be in a week, a month, or a year, or ten years that I decide I'm unhappy. But sitting here now, really really happy. I I'm I'm still scared to death. I'm still petrified, but I'm overjoyed and so and honestly so proud of myself for making this move because I really think this is knock on wood. I really think this is going to play out well for me and the family. I'm pleased that you're doing it, uh, that you have done it. I mean, and and I think the reason that you're feeling so good about it is you were unhappy with some of the circumstances and now you're in a place that seems nice um, and that by design would get rid of a lot of the things you were unhappy about. There will be things that come up in this place that you won't like, but they may be more tolerable. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't stand my job when I left. But even in my feeling of not being able to stand it, I could still stand it more than the job that I had previously, you know, Mm -hmm. working in the branches of the bank as opposed to working in the marketing team. Yeah, I mean, and I've seen a little bit, I've seen a wart here and a wart there, but it's a job. It's not, it's not called work. I've already butchered my own joke. It's not called play. It's called work and it's called work for a reason, but so far, so far, overwhelmingly, I am so overjoyed that I've made this move and and really proud of myself and appreciative of Aaron in supporting me and making this move because it's a little different now. You know, she doesn't work. We have a baby. If I screw this up, which certainly is still possible, that's a big darn deal. It's not it's a much bigger deal than it once was. And so for her to be as supportive as she's been in, in doing this is has really made it a lot easier. Happy for you, man. And I'm, I'm I'm also really happy that we've got to chronicle another big life change mm-hmm. in the show. Mm-hmm. I, I am stoked as well. All right, let's wrap today's episode up with some Relay Your Feels. But before we do that, let me take a moment to thank our friends over at Squarespace for supporting this week's show. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code FEELS, F-E-E-L-S, at checkout, where you will get 10% off Squarespace, build it beautiful. With Squarespace, you'll be able to put together a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level with no coding experience required. They have intuitive and easy-to-use tools that make it super simple to make a fantastic-looking website and a website that looks and feels exactly how you want. Squarespace gives you all of the tools that you need 
They put all of the power in your hands and they take away the things that you don't want to have to worry about. This is why they're trusted by millions of people around the world. This is why they're used by millions of people around the world. They have excellent software. They have excellent people. They have state-of-the-art technology. They ensure security and stability. I mentioned the people. They have a 24-7 support team with live chat and email. They are on hand to answer any queries or questions that you might have. All of Squarespace's beautiful templates that you'll be able to adapt to fit the way that you like. They all feature responsive design. This makes your site look great on all sizes of device. Squarespace have rock solid fast hosting. They have their cover page functionality to allow you to build great looking single page websites and their commerce platform which allows anybody to add a store to their Squarespace site as well. If you sign up for a year you'll get a free domain name allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called and Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. If you would like to try it out you know, to make sure that Squarespace is right for you you can do that. Go to squarespace.com. You can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required and start building your own website straight away. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code FEELS, that's F-E-E-L-S, at checkout. You'll get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of Analog and Relay FM. Squarespace, you should. All right. All right. So Paul wrote in first, and Paul said... Can you weigh in on dad jokes? Consider this an open question as your son ages. <laughs> now, I just wanted to point out, I am a huge fan of pun-based humor. Um, so I am mere inches away from dad joke territory. Yeah, you're one offspring away from it at this point, basically. Um, now, I love dad jokes. Of course, now that I'm put on the spot, I can't think of any good ones off the top of my head. But um, I find that all too often I'm making ridiculously cheesy jokes to Aaron and I'll get that look of you know, that side eye of really, um, which I probably makes Aaron sound like a jerk, but it's because these jokes are that bad. And for her to even even give me the side eye and say, really, rather than be like, are you kidding me with that? Um, that that's because that's how awesome she is. So I love dad jokes. Declan will hate me for them. I'm quite confident, but I think they're hysterical. Good. Go team. I'd guess that about you. Um, this isn't really a question, but a few people have sent us a link to a Velveeta fountain. Yeah, this all this happened a bunch of times around the same day or two. I'm not clear what the um, setup was for this, but it seems like it was at some sort of event that a, at least a few people went to. It was and... a sports event of some description. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so we got this Velveeta fountain sent to us several times. I don't see any things to stick in the fountain to consume. Like there's no bread or, or treats or anything to eat with the Velveeta, but you assume that they were just out of shot though, right? I would hope, but well, oh I would hope that it is as it is. And it was merely fake stop that no one would go near it because stop. even just walking by it and getting the smell of it would make you vomit on the floor. Uh, you're so mean to me. I want to send Disgusting. you Disgusting. Like I want to send you a crate of Velveeta. It's going to happen. So I will burn it. No, you'll donate it to some like shelter or something, and they'll. Love I wouldn't you for even it. want to do that. I would oh, get some real macaroni and cheese instead and give uh, them that. You're the worst. All right, moving on. Crap. Kevin wrote in, uh, and he asked, uh, "Which former Top Gear presenter would you most like to meet?" Now, I would say Hammond because I have mucho respect for Richard Hammond. 
Have you read his book? I have not. No, I read um the Stigs. The uh, what was? Gosh, I can't remember the guy's name now. But it was very interesting. Ah, oh, man, it's going to drive me crazy. I can't remember his name. But I, I have not read Hammonds. I don't know why I haven't. What actually. you need to do, you need to. It's called On the Edge, and this was the book that he wrote about when he had mm-hmm. his brain mm-hmm. injury. Yeah, yeah. You need to get the Audible. Ah, uh, of course you would say that. No, this is. I'll tell you why. It is written by him and his wife. Mm-hmm. They narrate it, and it's incredible and heartbreaking. It, because when they're reading it, you can hear the pain in their voices. Mm-hmm. Especially, I think his wife's name is Mindy. Mm-hmm. Yep. When she is talking about him being in the hospital after the accident. Oh, gosh. I tell you, yeah. It'll get you. Fair enough. Uh, By the way, I appreciate you putting the the in the hospital like you're supposed to, which I know is not a British thing. That's very kind of you. Oh, Uh, yeah. God, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) It drives me insane when I hear, oh, and I went to hospital. No, no, no. You went to the hospital. Anyway, um, I would have to say James May. I love Hammond. I love Hammond. I think he's awesome. He's half American as far as I'm concerned, which is probably part of the reason why I love him. And to be honest, I love Clarkson too, which I know is not a popular opinion uh, in most of the UK. But I would have to say James May without I love Cl- I love all of them. I love Clarkson too. I mean, whatever. I agree. I agree. I completely agree with you. I'm giving you a mental high five right now. Um, James May would have to be the winner, though. I think he is the most interesting of all three of them because he has such an unbelievably diverse background in a diverse set of interests. Um, I've been watching. He has a show on the BBC called uh, James May's Cars of the People, which is actually uh, in season, in series, I don't know what the right phrase is for you guys, um, but there is a series going on right now, and um, he it is really, really interesting. They're sort of documentaries, sort of Top Gear-ish, um, but they're really, really good. Um, I've also been watching from years ago, um, Underscore gave me, actually, he gave it to me like a year or two ago. He gave me um, Oz and James Drink Across Britain or something like that. That's <laughs> not exactly the title, but it's James May and some wine connoisseur, Oz Clark, I believe. And they go across Britain. Um, there's, and- uh, there's two. You have Oz and James Big Wine Adventure and Oz and James Drink to Britain. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm sorry. That's that's exactly what I'm thinking of. So uh, Underscore got me those DVDs for like a birthday gift or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he had gotten them for me years ago, and I've been slowly watching them when I don't have other things to watch on like the DVR or Netflix or what have you, and I've been watching them recently, and they are really, really good. Now, they're a little bit old at this point because it was like 2009 or something like that, but... Um, but they are really, really good, and I really enjoy them. And Cars of the People is great. His his Toy Story series was great. I mean, everything James does, I really, really enjoy. And he has such an analytical mind for a man who is educated as a musician, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it just it seems like he would be fascinating. However, Matt CC716 in the chat has pointed out Tiff Nadell, who would be my probably my runner-up. He's obviously not one of the three in the last version of Top Gear, but he used to be a Top Gear host years ago, and he was en- he was educated as an engineer and a semi-professional race car driver and genuinely nice person. He and I exchanged tweets once, very briefly. Um, I would love to talk to Tiff as well, but my, my final answer is James May. 
I'm pleased you brought up Tiff because it allows me to kind of to to segue into the next thing that I want to talk to you about, which mm-hmm. is the army of Top Gear presenters <laughs> that we have now. There yep. are seven, right? I think that's right. Yeah. So to so to catch you up really really quickly, so there were these three hosts on Top Gear, which is a British show on the BBC. That it was my fa- it is my favorite show. It was my favorite show in the entire world, bar none. That got not canceled, but all three of the hosts left for various reasons that are not worth getting into now. But the show must go on. It's been going on kind of sort of Doctor Who style for freaking forever. And what they've done is they've just in the last week or two announced what the cast is of the new show. And again, it was three people and a completely anonymous race car driver was the previous version. Now there are seven people, six and the same anonymous race car driver. What is going on? Well, when I look at this, I feel like what is happening here? <laughs> I mean, it may is, be wonderful. Who knows? But they what's are taking it back to the old Top Gear a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the that was more Top of an ensemble, Gear, right? It was a magazine show more, right? Really right. than anything else, and they did segments, and they had many presenters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably where they are drawing some inspiration from. Because what they can't have is all seven of them in the studio. Right. In right. the same way that they had the three of them in the studio. Sure. There will be significant format changes. Um, I would be surprised if they had a live audience studio at all. That's an interesting point. You very well may be right about that. I think it will be mainly pre-shot pieces that feature a selection of the hosts. Yeah, you're probably right. And to go to go back a step, like um, Clarkson was on the prior incarnation of Top Gear. Tiff Nadell was. Yeah. Even Andy Wellman, who was the, the producer for the version of Top Gear that you and I like to think about, yep. he was in front of the camera on occasion on the old Top Gear. Yep. And uh, was it Quentin? Yeah, I know who you're thinking of, but I can't remember his name. Yep. I love that guy. So, Quentin Wilson. So, yeah, so the new cast is uh, someone I don't know, Sabine Schmitz, from, who was a, a semi-frequent guest on the version of Top Gear that we know. Two tremendous thumbs up for Sabine, not only to have a woman on the show, but an unbelievably qualified racing driver. I actually watched a YouTube video of her in a 911 just obliterating everyone else on the road. Uh, just I watched this just a couple of days ago. Yeah, the person you don't know... Um, is his name is Rory Reed, and mm-hmm. Rory Reed uh, is unknown. Oh wait, wait, is Ro- he the one that just did that rap uh, review of the Bentley? That was really I good, I actually. I, I don't know what that is, but he came via the open audition. Oh, is that right? The BBC. Had, I did yeah. not know that. Huh. Um, shoot, I'll have to see if I can dig these up. But somebody did like a rap car review of a i believe it was a bentley it might have been a rolls which the way i'm describing it sounds terrible as it turns out it was really 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 good and it looks like it might have been that guy now that you say that i'll see if i can dig up these links for the show notes but no promises kids uh sabine two thumbs up two humongous tremendous tremendous thumbs up really into that i think that's a great selection then we have matt leblanc yeah what (laughs) what is joey doing here 
genius. I actually think you're right. Genius. This is the best move that the BBC have made when trying to put this cast together. Because you have taken someone that is pretty much loved by a lot of people. You have someone who will draw new people in Mm -hmm. just to see Joey. Mm -hmm. Connect with the American audience. Yep. And the British audience love him. Yeah, I I think you're probably right, to be honest with you. And he's a big car guy. He was the fastest around the track. Like, it's not a completely random thing. I think that this is, he's great on camera. He's very entertaining. I think they have, they made a fantastic decision to bring him out of Lonkin. Yeah, I, um, I, I think you're right. And like you said, I mean, he's a, he's a car guy. So, because what they're going to do, they will have a lot of, I believe, Matt versus Chris Evans because the two of them know TV. Yeah, yeah. Do you even right. know who Chris Evans is? Uh, only from Top Gear, and I guess he's a big um, radio personality as well. He is an institution here. He has done breakfast TV, late night TV, and he's been on the radio forever. He does daytime TV. He's done evening t- like he has done every conceivable type of television show. Um, he's he's exactly what you'd need, and he has an incredible car collection. Yeah, because he had like some ridiculous Ferrari that James May ended up driving, and yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. So to come back around, so this Rory guy, I was able to find the link to his rap car review again. Give it a chance; seems ridiculous. It worked really well. I give him two thumbs up. Uh, tentative anyway. I mean, I don't know him very well. Sabine can't stress enough. Two thumbs up. Matt LeBlanc, two thumbs up. Chris Evans, two thumbs up. Next one on the list. Um, Chris Harris, not our mutual friend Chris Harris, but the other Chris Harris, who is known from YouTube and Chris Harris on Cars and Drive. Two tremendous thumbs up for him. Really love Chris Harris as well. Um, he is a really, really good car reviewer. Very much of the same, cut from the same mold or, or shape from the same mold as the the three Top Gear guys that we like to think about. Um, but a different in his own way as well. Really, really like Chris Harris. Are you familiar with Chris Harris's work? No, but I know the name. Okay. Um, Really, really like him. So actually, to be honest, looking at it, we've gotten five in, and so far, so good. Now, the last person, um, I don't know, Eddie Jordan, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who this person is, but apparently he is crazy divisive in the UK. Wait, I don't really know much about him, but... All I know is that he has a Formula One connection and he ran his own Formula One team. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like Schumacher and Damon Hill drove for him. A lot of people don't like him. I don't know why that is. Yeah, neither do I. I but I know that when this happened and I tweeted about it in much the same way that when um, Clarkson got in his fracas or fracas or however you pronounce it, when he got in his issues, um, half I of... I think it's, it's just fracas, but whatever. whatever. Anyway, so when that thing happened... I feel like half of the island that you live upon decided to tweet me about how much of a jerk Clarkson is. Similarly, when I tweeted about the new cast, that same half of the island tweeted to me about how Eddie Jordan's a jerk. I have no I have no idea who this person is. I know literally nothing about him. But apparently he is not terribly well liked in a lot of places. But that being said, you mean you assume the stig knows what he or she or it is doing. 
You've got the Stig, you've got this Rory person, which the one thing I've seen from him looks good. Uh, You've got Sabine, who I really enjoy. Matt LeBlanc, tentative thumbs up there. Chris Evans, like you said, an institution. Chris Harris, totally in on that. So far, so good, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. uh, I look at that cast, and I'm like, that's the best thing you could have done. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Like, you've made a different show. Yeah, if they would call. have just had Sabine, LeBlanc, and Evans, that would have been a bad idea. Uh, I think it could have worked, but I still think you're more right than you are wrong. Well, because if they would have stuck with three, they would have kept too many things the same. Probably, yeah. But, what they've um, done here is they've really changed it up. And I really hope that they don't have the stick be the same as the stick was. This quiet thing. Like, the stick doesn't have to talk, but making the stick a joke, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they need to do that anymore. And I hope yeah. they don't do that anymore. Uh, so yeah, I, I look. I'm excited about this, and I'm excited about what are they what are they call? Do they ever give it a name? The new Top like, Gear. Yeah, the no. name was always like well, the the rumored name was Gear Knobs, right? Which I mean is ridiculous, and I don't like it for all the same reasons I love it. <laughs> like, yeah, if I they called it Gear Knobs, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I can get on board with that name. Yeah, who knows? And it seems like they're going to come out about the same time, right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Are you going to come to Top Gear Party this year? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what Top Gear Party is. When is Top Gear Party? Well, well whenever, whenever well, it will be. Yeah, whenever it is. So I would like to. That seems like a fun thing to do. You and Adina are more than invited. I will go out on a limb and say that I would bet that the Ar- the Armaments will be here unless they have some sort of scheduling conflict. Um, the Underscores will be here. Uh, a lot of my local friends will probably be here. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, in years past, for the summer season of our series of Top Gear, uh, Aaron and I, for two or three years running, we would have a bunch of our friends over. We would drape a king-sized sheet off the back of the house. And once it got dark out, which was usually like 9 or 10 o'clock, we would project the latest episode, that first episode of Top Gear, onto this sheet on the back of the house. So we'd all be sitting outside in the backyard in lawn chairs, drinking, having a barbecue, and watch the first episode of the new season together. And it, it is one of my favorite memories of this house. I just love doing it. And we, we intend to, again, knock on wood, we intend to do that again this year. So if you fancy a journey across the pond to see something that you could see easily in your own bedroom without any of the work that I have to go through, uh, let me know. All right, I'm on board. (laughs) Don't tease me. And on that bombshell, perhaps we should end.